It's been quite a while since we've all been in here. Is everybody's headphones good? I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast, everybody. Right off the bat, let's go ahead and establish that people establish the fact that people who own Jeeps simply have too much money. People who own Jeeps just have too much money. Let's talk about the people who talk about the people who own Jeeps, that they're just jealous that they don't have the Jeep. No, it's, it's, I mean, we can't all be the highest paid people in the company <laughs> yeah. and have Jeeps. And we can't all live in a little rental house and <laughs> not own anything either. I just, you know, I just saw a um, tennis lady pull up in her Jeep today at the gym. Tennis lady? Yeah, I call her tennis lady. You know her, don't you, Chili? No. Jessica? I guess. I don't know. You know that's uh, Justin's wife. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, I found that out just the other day, and I saw her pull up in her Jeep. And, Why don't we uh, play tennis sometime? Well, we're going to. All of us. Uh, Nate, is, <laughs> Nate, the one of our Sorry. students at the uh, running camp, he's a tennis coach. Yeah, I know. So we're going to go out there. Maybe we'll make a good YouTube video oh, out you of that. ain't going to go to Alpharetta. No, he, well, tennis. I mean, we're going to go out to the tennis courts here in town and, and hire him to come up and teach us here. Yeah, if I had my pick of who, who would coach me, I'd pick him. Is this the Nate man? one of the first new series where y'all compete? Yeah, we can make it, yeah. <laughs> by the way, See how enthusiastic by the way he was? I, I, I want to tell all you guys listening to this freaking podcast, y'all... This freaking podcast. Y'all... You need to control your tongue better than that. You know yeah, what? Man. You're saying that pretty flippantly. Yeah. Screw you guys, man. Y'all missed out on the running camp. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It was an epic weekend of training. I want everybody real quick, give Coach Chili a round of applause. <laughs> Good job, Coach Chili. Um, the running camp... I told Chili this morning, I said, man, that running camp was good for me. It got me fired up about running again. I've ran every day since then. I don't even want to lift weights anymore. I just want to run. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> well, it's probably because you ain't no good at it. <laughs> Bull crap, dude. I could destroy you if I wanted to. Um, so, y'all, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, y'all missed out on the running camp, and uh, we'll do another one, but that was... Really, really good training. Yeah. We weren't sure. We weren't sure because we had never done it before. We had the schedule outlined, um, and we had a general idea of what we wanted it to be. I think it turned out better than what we could have imagined it to be. I mean, yeah. it was jam-packed, man, with just solid information, good long runs, shorter runs, uh, sprint-type stuff, core work, uh, inform I mean, classes, it, it never, there wasn't a lull in it, man. Well, no. I never knew. I mean, I knew Chili was a good runner, but I never knew how much he actually knew about running. He knows everything he about all, running. He gave all his secrets away. <laughs> he if really you did. want Chili's secrets, the running camp is the only place you can get them. I was surprised at how much he he gave away I in know. that course. Well, I, I uh, those guys meant a lot to me, man. I wanted to. Wanted to help them out as best as I could. Whatever I have to offer, and it may not be much, I wanted to give it to them. So. Well, you poured it all out. Yeah. Greg, Nate, and Nate, man. Yeah. Love those guys. Yeah, I thought it went well, too. Oh, whoa. The, uh, <laughs> you got to put some new bushings in them things, boy. <laughs> the, the uh, You know, that's the thing is we hadn't ran it before, but like you always say, we don't teach from theory. So we knew all the everything was 
solid, you know. It wasn't like we were guessing, but it's just you you don't know how to structure things until you've done it. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, I was pleased with how close I feel like we got it right for the first time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think there's much to change. I think even in terms of how far we pushed the, the students there. Oh, Because, yeah. like, that, that was one thing that I was kind of interest, interested in seeing because you can only run so much in a day. Two to, yeah. Yeah, and, and all three of our students were pretty much beginner runners. Um, they had been they had been running for a few months, but they hadn't done an uh, maybe one of them had done an ultra before, but yeah. Um, so they weren't they were there because they wanted to get into ultra running. So I was wondering, man, are we going to be pushing these guys too hard? Is this too much? And I think it was spot on because when we took the dinner break, they were ready for that mm -hmm. dinner break, yeah. yeah. And then and then we went into the night run after that, and they got to come into the night run pretty pretty fresh, yeah. Yeah, man, epic training, dude. What's something that each of you learned? Like, I know when I coach or I teach, the people I'm coaching or teaching are usually learning something, but I, when I'm performing my duty, am always learning as well. Mm -hmm. What's something you each learned from that experience? Whether it was, like you already said, you learned stuff about running and mm -hmm. that you've already implemented, but even as an instructor, what's something that you had to take away from? Who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> What what is this lady doing here? It's been a while, huh? <laughs> Chad's beginners, uh, beginning stages of Alzheimer's. <laughs> that's Coach Krista, by the way. Um, uh, that's really good. You know, it is a good question. It, and two, and I can answer that from two perspectives because one thing that I learned a lot from Chili, Chili taught a bunch of stuff during our run camp that he's never even shared with me before. So one of the the most important things that I learned was uh, when Chili talked to us about strides, which is a specific type of workout that he <laughs> knows. Workout. It's uh, not a workout. Oh, it's not a workout. Yeah, strides. <laughs> it's a specific type of training that Gosh. he knows, uh, and he walked us through it. So that was one big thing I picked up from him, um, uh, along with many others. Uh, the second thing... Uh, man, what did I learn as an instructor? You know, you know what I what what I learned as an instructor, or what I was thinking about, because we only had three students out there. I thought, you know what, uh, you I as an instructor, I have to be as sharp and turned on and engaged, whether I have three students or ten students, mm -hmm. and so that for me was something that I made the I had to consciously make the decision right off the bat to say, all right, there's only there's only three three students here, but you know what? That doesn't matter. It that's actually better. I'm gonna actually be more engaged with them, just the three of them, or try to be just as, if not even more intimate with them as I would be if I had a hundred people out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because I've even caught myself in the past, you know, if I go do a speech or something and, you know, there's there's 10,000 people listening to the speech, you tend to get more amped up and you're, you're more in, you can find yourself being more invested in that crowd than if you're just speaking to 10 people. And that's the wrong way to be. If, if you look, man, you have to be just as engaged with 
small groups of people as with the masses. And so I think that's really important for me and the position that I'm in. That's good. Well, I think, I don't know if this is exactly answer your question. I could answer this in a million different ways. What did you learn from me? One thing that stuck out to me was how many times they said, uh, all three of them, I think, I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for the this camp, for the environment I'm in, for, for you guys, you know, talking to their the other people that were running it with them and us as instructors. So I was like, that's really cool, you know. We're doing something right when that's the case. I felt like that was reinforcement that we were doing something right. You know, they wouldn't have done this yeah, if it hadn't been for us putting this on and they found it valuable. So I was like, well, that's really cool. And uh, I would say another thing that I learned is that um, kind of going off of what Chad just said is, well, I don't know. I, I, I thought that a smaller group was kind of going to be perfect for this and 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 that was just reinforced like it it definitely was i thought those that was the perfect uh group man i love those guys that was awesome and uh i think we may even limit the the size of the groups from now on because we did like that so much yeah not not do open enrollment yeah limited at 10 or something yeah maybe yeah but that's that's two things i've learned i mean What did you ask? What did you learn from me? <laughs> you learned so much from me. I don't think I learned much from you. Are you serious, dude? No, not really. I learned more from them. I learned that... What uh, the crap, Chili? I learned that, that you... I, here's one thing I learned is that even if you're a new runner, you can handle a lot more than I even thought. I mean, those guys, you, you know, Greg, man had never had a weekend with that much volume i don't think and uh i mean he I handled doubt any it. three of them did yeah and he handled it like a like a pro man i mean it was it, it just i think it i think it reinforces how beneficial the run camp can be specifically for someone trying to get into ultra running to just show them kind of what they're capable of i, I think all three of them reiterated that it kind of built some confidence in them of like Hey, I see this ultra thing. I think I can do it. But and and you know, Nate had 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 done a fifty k before, but it was like, whoa, my my limits are a lot further out than I thought they were. And um, I mean, once again, I think that's 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 what we're doing it for. You didn't um, learn anything about teaching from Chad. Well, he tried to tell me to. You know how he is. He just he wants you to. Uh, Chad's very hyperbolic. You know, and so I learned not to be that way. What does that uh, word even mean? He's very yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dimwit. He's ex- he's very exaggeratory, hyperbolic. You know, and uh, I'm just honest, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you nothing. I have a hard time telling you, keeping something concise, keeping an answer concise, because I think of all the different variables. You know, if you ask me, well, what's the perfect way to do this? It's hard for me to just be like, yeah, do it this way. Because that's not the that's not it's not perfect for everybody. So um, that's another thing about individual training. I think a lot of people, you know, I've never had a personal coach before in running or anything. Other than Chad, <laughs> yeah. I'm his life coach. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I have one client, Chili. 
You start calling me that, you'll never see me again. <laughs> Dang client. Oh, sorry. You're you're a consultant. My bad. But um, if anything, I'm your dang life coach. Well, we came up with Chili's title here at 37 Project now, consultant. Yep. We've never known what to call him in the past, but. What about chief networker? You added that, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't I already get two labels? Yeah. And you said something about uh, me and Chris are just in the rear with the gear. You remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I've Chili and I got three titles. Yeah. I'm Chili and I, I actually, we are the three of seven project assault team, <laughs> right? So we deploy, me and Chili, we deploy so, amongst the the heathens of the world, and um, we just, you guys are in the rear with the gear. We're basically like pencil pusher, useless yeah. kind of things. We're the ones no. that clean up all the messes. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah the, the assault team needs it's support. Okay. It's okay. You don't, I know you downgrade someone and then you try to act like, well, yeah, that's valuable to do that, even though it's just a stupid job. <laughs> no, it's not stupid, man. I mean, that's all right. you guys, you guys are enablers. You guys are enablers. Yeah. You know, keep it up. That's not always a good thing. <laughs> the assault force needs people, you know, to make sure their um, water bottles are full and. Yep. Uh, Wait till next time y'all go to try to assault something and it's in shambles. <laughs> you know, so, somebody needs to make sure the 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 uh, the business vehicles getting paid for and oh our tags. Oh, by the are way, expired. our tags are expired. Blake. Yeah, on the Ghost suburban, that, you bought the suburban. I didn't. That's your responsibility. No, no, that's what that's what you got to take care of us. No, nope. take care of us. Take care <laughs> we of. We drove four. We drove all the way to Texas in a company vehicle on expired tags. I don't know why you did that. It, they've been expired too. Or what? Since I mean, we can't be worried November about that. I'm surprised you even care that they're expired. It's but it's not a it's not a reflect. If we get it's a company vehicle. It doesn't matter. It goes to the license. It goes to the driver. You get the ticket. No, it don't man. matter. No, we can't be worried about that. Who's stuff. Uh, what the car is? Look, we are not deploying again until you get tags on that company vehicle. Don't change <laughs> so, the tags. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm man. not going to buy them. No, we got. We, how are you going to load us down with that many? We got to deploy and take care of the tags. Well, yeah. No, man, you no. can't. Sometimes you got to take a little bit of ownership for the stuff that you use, you know. Oof. No, we all need to be operating within our within our lane. I and know. The daggone assault force don't go to the DMV. <laughs> no, you we're go to the courthouse, to, not the DMV. To kill somebody. You go to the courthouse for that. If I go to the courthouse, it's going to be to raid the courthouse when civilization collapses. Well, you can get your tag renewed on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, so... If y'all didn't sign up for the run camp, that doesn't surprise me. But um, we'll run it again. We'll put the dates out when y'all are ready. What? Nobody wants to train. People just want to be entertained. Yeah. That's really all they want out of life. Um, hmm. Sorry, I had to be mean there for a minute. <laughs> I can't, in one of his moves I can't go through a whole podcast without just being a little bit mean. You know? Um, all right. Well, heart I wanted stone. I wanted stone. no, the Lord has given me a heart of flesh. Uh, um, you're hardening it, man. Whiskey Myers stone. Yeah. We didn't listen to that one time. No, we sure didn't. I wanted to share something with listen you guys. Bob Seeger. Oh, yeah, that's his new favorite. Like Bob a Seger. rock. I like Bob from Bob Seeger. Yeah. He listened to it one time and he couldn't get it out of his head for 3 days. Y'all was that Chevrolet like a rock or is it Ford? Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Yeah. Yeah. Not Jeep. No. 
Jeep is the rock. Jeep is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, another announcement. I think Chili's coming out with a live show here soon. Live YouTube show. Let's, trying to get let's go ahead and release that. a bunch of things that aren't going to happen to get people excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out with that? Well, I'm going to be on it with you, but oh, well, I it's your to, dream. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted a 10-hour radio show where I just took callers and just in a dark room and just broadcasted from, you know, like 10 p.m. to 8 in the morning or something you gotta, like that. You got to get a bigger gut before you start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I'd do it. You set it up, I'll do it. And that's the rear, you guys with, want, rear with the gears got to set that up. Yeah, figure out. That's what I was going to talk to you, Blake. <laughs> you need to figure out how to, we can get this You don't camera. tell me what to do. <laughs> Look, I got I got something for you. you. Look, no, I got something for you. You and Krista need to get together and figure out how to get this camera to broadcast. Yeah, it's Chili's easy. You just plug it up and you can use it for a webcam. It's easy to do. Okay, well, get that set up for what us. What you we're need done to do, all you that have applied for the basic course, Chad keeps telling you send your applications. He's been talking for two months. I'm, I want to have him filled by the end of May. No, by, by the, the end of June. That's my goal. June. I'm gonna work on that this week. I'm. Gonna, I need to. I know. I need to set a couple days aside. I am. I'm. 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 So I've already been working through that in my mind. <laughs> well, so, you need to put finger to keyboard. Well, my computer always gets screwed with. So what are we gonna call that show? Ten full hats with Chad and Chili. I'm not sure yet. You swatting that? Um. Okay, I want to share something with you guys. For I, I want to share something with you guys from Scripture first, and. And I want to, Blake brought up the point earlier, and I think we all agreed on it. Uh, it's okay every now and then to say, I don't know. Actually, if you're afraid to say, I don't know, like Chili mentioned, you can actually walk yourself into a place where you end up looking like a fool if you start trying to talk about stuff and answer questions that you don't know the answer to, all right? Now, there's very little things that we do know. Chili admits that right off the bat. We talked about that as it pertains to this topic, saying, I don't know. Chili said, well, you know, when you think about in Scripture where it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and part of fearing the Lord is realizing your own insignificance, right? So almost the beginning of wisdom is realizing that you ain't wise. You don't really know much, right? Um, and ultimately, when I went and did the show with Mike on Mike Drop Podcast, you know, that was the, the answer that I gave him that concluded our conversation as it pertains to faith was, hey, Mike, uh, it's what we led down this long conversation, finally to the point that Mike is asking questions that my answer is, hey man, people have literally spent their entire lives trying to answer this very question, and the question revolved around a predestination. Um, why does God, or how does God choose, and does he choose uh, who gets to know him, right, and be in relationship with him, and how does that work? And I'm like, 
Mike, ultimately people have tried to come come to a conclusion on that. And thankfully, we serve a God where much of his quality and characteristics and the way he interacts with us as humans, we don't know. And Mike was like, oh, wow, that's really refreshing to hear you say that. So uh, another question that I hear come up all the time is, well, what about people, and Mike asked this question too, what about people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus? Like, so you, Christian, you're telling me that you have to say this prayer and accept Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior in order to have eternal life and be reconciled back unto him. Well, what about, let's just use the Native American population as an example. Um, what about them? You know, they were, they were human beings that were children of God, created by God, that were living on this continent for presumably thousands of years that were never exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what happens to them, man? Right? I hear people I hear people ask this question all the time. I think that we can draw some conclusions or we can we can maybe maybe find parts of scripture that will help us draw some knowledge of how maybe not answer that question, but some knowledge of what might how those people might interact or be judged or whatever, right? But we still don't know. We still don't know. And I was reading, I was reading in uh, the book of James the other night, actually last night, and I thought this was a very interesting verse as it pertains to people who haven't heard the gospel of Christ and how they might be judged when they pass from this world unto eternity. James said, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And I thought, that pertains to this question, in my opinion. Do you think it does? Yeah. To the person that knows to do good and then chooses not to do it, only to that person it is sin. I just thought that was interesting. You know, um, yeah, and everybody's got. I mean, everybody has. Yeah, who the, who doesn't know what good is? Is there any, is there is there a case that exists that someone doesn't know what right from wrong? You well, can go to anywhere, any group of people, and ask them: Is killing this guy right or good? And I I would say that every group of people is murdering say, murdering this guy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not good. Or stealing, or lying, or well, any of that stuff. People make justifications all the time for who it's okay to kill. You know, um, the uh, you know Nazi Germany didn't think it was wrong to kill Jews. They thought they were doing the world a favor. Hmm. So, I mean, did they really? Did they though? actually think that, or what? What were they demon possessed? <laughs> like some yeah. people think. I mean, you know, all those questions. Are there cases where someone doesn't know? Right from wrong, um, you know, are there legitimate cases where someone in the world, a cognitively developed, grown adult, is doing something that they don't think is wrong, and you're like, no, that's wrong. And they're like, what? Is there actually a case of that? Well, that's I'm asking. What, that's what leads me into 
the next part of scripture that I think uh, gives us some insight to the answer to this question and, and even expounds deeper upon what James said. And this is in Romans. This is the one that I always try to reference when people bring that question up. Uh, it's in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And here's what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, who, in other words, who have accepted what they know to be wrong as truth or however you want to interpret that. But that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. That, to me, is alluding to the human conscience, right? That which may be known of God... All good things come from God the Father, our Creator, is manifest in them, I believe, through their conscience, right? And then evidence of a Creator, evidence of God for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even in His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So here in this part of Romans, I believe it speaks to the law of God that's written on every human's heart in the form of conscience, and then also the evidence of create the Creator being seen in creation. Okay? So I have to conclude from what information I have that people who have never heard the gospel of Christ, when they have a spirit just as we do, so when they die and they do come and meet their creator on judgment day, I have to assume that these people will be judged based off of did they do what they knew to be right, the law of God that was written on their heart, right? And did they accept the evidence of the creator as it is seen and and evident to them through viewing creation. So if that's the case then then Jesus isn't the only way to heaven then. See, that's a that's a good that's a good question. It's almost like you as soon as you hear the as soon as you are presented with the gospel, you are in a all of a sudden there's a new responsibility there, right? There's you're you're almost in a different yeah. category if you would want to say. But we, we can't over, we can't overlook this question. Like we can't overlook this no, question. People do all the time, and that's why I get so adamant about all this. Is like I, I'm interested to hear what you and, and Krista have. To, and I know I just shotgunned you guys with this question. And and by <laughs> no. by, by 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 all means, I want to preface whatever anyone says here. I, I want to preface you listeners. We don't know <laughs> the answer. Let me. Bless you. Bless you. To this Bless question. You. Thank you. <laughs> let me let me go on a quick hopefully this doesn't take long, but just to explain to people why I'm so adamant about saying I don't know when you don't know something and, and being intellectually honest. Okay, that's what I call it, is being intellectually honest. Saying you don't know when when that is truly the case and not trying to make up some crap. Okay. Not y'all. Not a lot of people out there probably grew up similar to how I did. Well, I, I don't know how many did. I, some did, but 
I'm so adamant about this, and I don't say it as a cliche all the time. I say I don't know all the time. I say, you know what? When you boil it down, there's basically nothing that I know. I don't say that as a cliche. I don't say that to be funny. I don't say that to be some kind of defense against answering a question. That's the honest truth. And the reason I'm adamant about that is because you want to know why people that grew up in Christian schools and Christian environments like me that are now my age are the most staunch atheists on the dang planet? A lot of them are. I don't know if you know that, uh, but a lot of them are, okay? People that grew up in a Christian home, went to a private Christian school, now are in college or uh, adults, and they ain't not only got nothing to do with it, they, they, they despise it. They hate it. And not all, man, a lot of people that grew up like that are in, they're, they're serving at a past, as a pastor at a church or doing all kinds of things. But a large percentage, man, I'm telling you, it, it should be alarming to people that are Christians. It should be alarming at the rate that, that, that not that they fall away, but that they're freaking staunch atheists. Okay. You want to know why that is? I know exactly why that, that is it's because they grew up being told all of all of this stuff being told uh being read the bible but studying it having their parents and teachers answer these questions uh at the time from the from the time that they're they're young and then what happens is is you get a little older and stuff as you develop mentally and 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 you you start going at whatever age this is you start having more difficult questions because there's a lot of things we don't know and that are hard to understand. And you ask those same people that had seemingly given you all the answers up to that point in your life. Um, one of those difficult questions, like, uh, like the ones Chad's just referring to. And you know what they do? They look at you and they tell you, Oh, you can't ask stuff like that. Like, uh, I don't know what the typical response is. They, they shove it away. Yeah. They, they don't want to talk about it because they don't know the answer, but they're unwilling to say, I don't know. And you know that the first time that happens, that puts a little seed in, in your head and goes, hmm, this is the guy who had all the answers here when I was growing up. And now he's, he's, he's like not even cool with me asking this question. And then what happens is if you keep asking it, you get demonized for asking that question. Oh, are you questioning your faith? What's wrong with you? Well, what's going on here? And then that starts to kind of wear on you because the questions don't go away. You still are confused about whatever. And then, then finally, like people that happened that I went to high school with get alienated by these same people who are supposed to care about them and care about every kid. And then, you know what they start to do? They start to resent that. They start to go, well, this is all just a bunch of freaking crap, man. Because these people aren't even okay with asking a question. I thought that's what this was all about. We're trying to learn. We're trying to understand this. So that's why I'm adamant about being honest when you don't know something and also having having the ability to answer why you believe what you believe. I, I never articulate this well, but for that same reason that I just explained, I'm so adamant about that, man. If you want to go share what you believe, fully expect that someone will ask you the question of why you believe that and if you don't have an answer for that, you might want to be careful with what you say. That's biblical. Yeah, because because you want to know the number one way to turn people off if you actually think that you've got something to share with them is tell them what you believe and then go, okay, why do you believe that? Not even not in some 
threatening way or just, hey, can you explain that for me? And you go, oh, well, I, I, I. dude, that's the worst thing you can do. And not even just for their sake, for your sake, man. Why do you not know what it is you believe and can be honest about what you don't? And, and uh, once again, how I grew up, man, I saw this all the time. A typical conversation with a Christian and a non-believer would go something like this. Uh, they would share the gospel with them and, you know, say Jesus is the only way to heaven. And the person would go, okay, um, how do you know that? And they would say something like, well, you know, the, the Bible is God's word and, and that's what it says. And they would go, okay, well, how do you know the Bible is God's, God's word and, and all that? And then they would just basically go like, well, because it says it is. And they would go, well, that's circular reasoning. That That's not a, exactly a, a good point of evidence in and of itself to explain why that's truth. And then typically at that point, the Christian would just go, oh, you're just, you're just lost. You, you need to figure it out. You're, you're, you got to repent or you're going to hell. And then the, you know, someone who's legitimately got questions and trying to understand what this person's trying to tell them is just like, whoa, okay. And, and that's usually how it would end. I mean, the little bit of pushback that people get, it wrecks them. And I just think that's, that's, that's a huge problem in the world because it's given Christians a reputation that they're stupid. Yeah. And you want to know why? Because, the, because a, a, a lot of them are. <laughs> a lot of people are stupid. They, they go at it from a, from a perspective that's like, you're not going to reach anybody doing that. The loudest people... The, the loudest people tend to not have a reason uh, the most often. And it just, it, it, it's built this reputation. And, and I don't think it has to be that way. Just, just being intellectually honest would mm-hmm. be, would, would make a, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And you could actually have a dialogue with people. Mm-hmm. I think it would make a huge difference because if you actually share some things, admit what you don't know and, and study and don't just just regurgitate just talking points. You can actually have a conversation with people, and I guarantee you they'll go, oh, I still may not believe this, but this isn't a bunch of crap like yeah. I thought. Hmm. This isn't a bunch of crap. Makes a big difference to me, yeah. man. And I've seen it in my life so just just so poignantly, man, that it's like that's the crux of the issue with why Christianity is viewed how it is in the culture we live in today and it doesn't have to be viewed that way in my opinion and i know i just went on a rant but that's why i'm so adamant about all this yeah no i think you needed to put that out chili and going along with what you said um this is uh i told you what you said was scriptural first peter chapter 3 verse 15 uh Scripture tells us exactly what Chili just said. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, beautiful, beautiful uh, exhortation of God's word. Instructor Christa! <laughs> Can you say anything about this topic? Yeah, she's just in the rear with the gear. We that's right. Ain't got much to say. Pass, uh, no, Instructor Chris the wand. Instructor Chris is probably the most intelligent in, one in this I'm room not in right now. Mode. Um, yeah, I mean that's a big topic, and I think there are a couple 
things going on. I think what you led with about, you know, the, the difficult question. And then I think t- Chili's honed in on a, a principle of just humility, you know, which, which should be a characteristic of a Christian, even in our conversations about the things we talk about. Um, we should have hold some humility. And I think saying, I don't know, and anything we're talking about is an extremely important thing because we need to be honest. That's integrity too. That's integrity. It's not pretending to be something that you're not. Um, I think unfortunately to go um, off of what Chile said, probably many times um, people answer those questions the way that they do because they haven't actually allowed themselves to go to those places and struggle. Mm. They don't hold their own beliefs under scrutiny. Right. And so I think it's hard. I think that's why sometimes it's difficult for people to engage questions like that because you can't take somebody where you haven't been in anything, like even in, yeah. in, in running and yeah. in other areas of life, you can only take people as far as you've been. And so I think we have to also, um, as scary as it is, um, allow ourselves to be raw before God. And, and, and I think we, um, can try to stay in those safe places and not look in those dark corners sometimes. And so then we don't know how to answer those questions or, or even, even if we don't know how to answer them, how to empathize with somebody's doubts or somebody's questions. And, um, so I think it's important for us to, to exercise those things as well. Um, cause that actually builds humility cause that takes you places where, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. And, and it's, that's a scary place. And, and, uh, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, there's mystery that the Bible says the gospel is mysterious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think we have to be honest about that. Um, doesn't mean that there, we, we throw out truth and we say, well, there's no absolute truth or this can't be true because there's some gray here or there's some, um, some unknown that doesn't make something untrue just because there are some unknown things. Uh, but it can help us to have humility and, and be honest about that. So, um, yeah, so that's one response just to kind of what Chili's yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, yeah. Yeah. And just think through and, and not always feel like there has to be a, a conclusion. Like that I think a lot of times just in life in general, people get very outcome focused instead of allowing themselves to be in a process. And that can hurt even in, in marriage, you know, when you're communicating with your spouse and you get really focused on a particular outcome of a conversation instead of just stopping and being an active listener and, and not really focusing on getting a particular outcome. And I think we do that in a lot of areas of life and we can do it even in our relationship with God or in discussions with people where we get very outcome focused. Like there's discussion. I need to come to conclusion. We can do it in politics. My gosh. Yeah. And so I think not being outcome focused and allowing yourself to be where you are and, and engaged in the conversation can be helpful. Um, even in, in the question you asked, you know, you, like you said, shotgunned the question. So I haven't thought about it. My mind's kind of going in different directions. And, and so my thoughts aren't very organized or clean, but I can still talk to you about it. Yeah. And, and we can have an understanding of like, we are kind of externally processing this right now. I don't have to feel pressure to to say the right thing or come to a perfect conclusion and which can be hard on a podcast because I know we're going to stop the podcast and that's what people are going to be left with. And I might continue to think about it and I might say, darn it. I wish like our discussion about the Bible the other day, I walked away and I was like, that was horrible. <laughs> like I didn't talk about, you know, 
eisegesis, exegesis, how to interpret scripture with scripture, hermeneutical principles. Like, like there were all these things that later came to my mind that I was like, this would have been more helpful or would have clarified things for people. But I can't go back and do that. So it can be scary to just process with people. So you have to have a sense of trust too mm -hmm. in those conversations, whether it's us talking here or, an, you know, maybe an unbeliever or a, a skeptic or somebody who's curious talking to somebody who believes you have to have a level of trust with that other person too, that they're going to take you on good faith and they're going to say, you know, this is just a conversation and, mm -hmm. and not have the attitude of you're coming into conclusion and I'm coming into conclusion, but it needs to be an open conversation that has a hint of um, a potential for continuation you know, like I want that person to be able to come back to me and say, hey, I wish I would ask you this or what did you mean by that? And I think just generally in society right now, we don't have that attitude toward each other. And so it would be good to foster that open communication as well. Um, anyway, but on your question about like, if Jesus is the only way, what about these people? Um, who haven't heard the name of Jesus? Um, and that is tricky. I, I think where my mind went a little bit was, um, you know, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, you know, there were people who uh, who were um, part of the covenant and who were um, saved, who were um, included in God's people, who Jesus hadn't come yet, so clearly they'd never heard of the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but but that that's part of the story is that that's pointing toward Jesus. And so they weren't, they were saved um, by their faith, their faith in one to come, the faith in the savior. And so I think there's evidence that, that God um, saves uh, not just on, based on the name of Jesus, but there were, there were types in the old Testament pointing forward to Christ. So, there was there was a, a kind of faith that archetypes archetypes yeah that that and that the covenants were were leading and pointing toward one who would be that the one that was without sin who was the perfect sacrifice and so so there's evidence there of a people existing and being saved without prior to Jesus coming mm -hmm. um, I think scripture also talks about how like the passage in Romans you mentioned, I thought of that and how creation is evidence. So we have special revelation, uh, theological terms, you know, the Bible scripture that's been written down, um, especially um, revealed to us. And then there's something called general revelation, which is um, God is written all over creation. You know, the rocks cry out to him. And so I think that that can be evidence of God. Um, and I think um, that, oh, I just lost my train of thought. There was something else I was going to say. Um, so, yeah, so I think there are things that that that, that point to Jesus. And, um, oh, I know what I was going to say. It, connecting it with creation because, um, you know, well, what about the very first moment of creation? And Jesus clearly didn't exist then, right? You know, how can somebody believe way, 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 way back? And um, the Bible talks about John the book of John talks about how um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God, the word was with God. And so that's, Jesus existed at creation. And so he, he is the word. Um, the creation it, it came to be through God speaking. And so Jesus existed 
I think scripture would teach that Jesus was there from the beginning. And so, mm-hmm. so even though it's easy to think, I think because we're, we're modern, we're, we're at this place in God's sort of story and revelation to think of like all we think about of all we think of, um, usually when we think of Jesus is, you know, those Bible stories we've been taught in church and, and, and it, it's just when Jesus appeared on earth as a man and he, died on the cross, he rose again, and, and, and that's what we think of when we think of Jesus, but there's more to Jesus than that. Mm. And so, um, so I don't know, just with your shotgun question, yeah. that's kind of where my mind went, where just some of those things that um, sometimes we limit ourselves to a certain um, angle when we look at Jesus or a certain time period, but he existed um, even before he set foot on earth. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, wonderful. Where I go. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. What, when I, when I, we, a lot of times people reference our, um, our beliefs uh, as our faith, right? And faith is a, that, that's what people call it essentially when they, you know, talk about this stuff. Like, um, which isn't that the absence of knowing? And that's what I'm saying. When you analyze, what scripture says faith is it is the absence of of knowing right essentially um or or not being able to ha- see the 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 absolute conclusion in hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen all right uh you don't have to hope for something that you know, if you know, like those things that you know the answer to, you don't have to hope for that. So when you analyze what the nature of faith itself, which is a huge component of your relationship with Christ, the creator of the universe, the very foundation or one of the elements of faith is hoping for things that you don't know or you don't see, right? I'll never forget having a conversation with some teacher when I was a wee lad. I have I don't know how young, but they said something about like, "Do you know this?" I don't even know what the point was, and I went, "Well, no, we don't. We don't know that." And she, and she was like, "Oh yeah, yes, you do, we do. We you need to know that." And I was like, "Well, do you know it?" And she said, "Yes, I I know that in my heart." And I was like, I just remember looking at her and saying. Well, no, I think I think that's that's the whole thing is we don't know that, but we believe it. We have we put our faith in it. She was like, "No, you need to know it." And I said, "I don't think you know what faith means." And I, I'll never forget that. Like, I legitimately had that conversation. I don't know how old I was. And then I remember going home and thinking about that. Like, yeah, is that not what faith is? Yeah, you can't know it. The, the, the word "know" means something. K N O W. That means something very specific. And it's different than faith. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I I don't know. I think people really mesh those two together, Mm -hmm. really conflate those two words and the meaning of those two words. And I don't know. I think that's part of being precise in your speech as well is is differentiating those two. And and you can't say, I don't know, uh, unless you know what that means. I don't know, man. See how know. I just said that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's wonderful, man. And 
Guys, I hope you're encouraged by this conversation because uh, I, I guess one of the most encouraging aspects about this conversation, as you you as you think about how much we don't know about the nature of God, you might feel discouraged, but I want you to know you should actually be encouraged that you that your creator is so much bigger than what you can comprehend. Like I'm encouraged by that. When I think about if if I was serving a god that I could that I could comprehend all aspects of him. Well, that is not a god that would really be worth serving in my opinion. It wouldn't opinion. be a god. It wouldn't be a god. That's exactly right. It wouldn't be god. Like so be encouraged when you when you're able to say Man, I don't know about that aspect or that quality or that way that God, the creator of the universe, interacts with his creation. I don't know that. Be encouraged by that statement, man. Actually, right? you know what? I'm chewing on ice, sorry. If you did know, not only would that not be God, you would be God. Yeah, yeah. If there's a God that you could fully understand, mm -hmm. how would you not be it? I I mean, that would be you. Exactly. So I agree. I, I had the same thought. So when people that continually act like they know everything, I guess they think they're God. I, I mean, if you never had to say you don't know in your life, well, then you know, then you know everything. You're omniscient. Good for you, man. You've yep. ascended to heaven. Yep. Yep. Love it, man. You got anything to add, Blake? No, I just I I want to make it clear that I the Bible is clear about that Jesus is the only way. But I I would say God that, is clear to us about the things that we need to know. The Bible you, that I like that the Bible is clear to us about the things that we do absolutely need to know. Yeah. All right. Well, we asked that question earlier because of you talking about the people that hadn't ever heard. Yeah, yeah. And make and saying that, that you know, are they saved as well? And mm -hmm. you were kind of like, yes. And I was like, well, is that the only way then? Yep. Yeah, John, I've been reading John, and it says a lot about, I think a lot about this. And one specific example says, uh, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then uh, earlier in John, it says it again, no one comes to, to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And if you think about the Father who sent me draws him, it's not... It's not the, the Christian who tells me about Jesus and then that maybe sometimes God does draw you to him through other people, but if there's not those other people there, then I think through your own, I guess you could say conscious or moral, that you could be drawn to God. You just may not know that his name is Jesus. Yeah, does that well, make sense? Well, like you could be drawn to God through from him, like the Bible says, without another Christian telling you, hey, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And let me let me give you my testimony here. And that's spurring you on to have further interest and further understand. I think that he can draw you, but to the depth that you're drawn and understand, it can only go so far without the Bible or without other uh, community and, and other believers. So think about these unreached people that they've never... Never heard of it. I mean, they have their own language. I mean, they don't, it's, they're completely, 
like an isolated culture and have never heard of any of the story, nothing. And they come up, they have this story of the beginning of time where God, that they put some funny name on it and, and held the, you know, held the earth in his hand and, and used some weird symbol that we think is odd, like some, like a turtle shell, you know, all the, all the Native American imagery and symbols that they would use that we're like, oh, that's, that's pagan and all this. What if they're talking about creation, man, but they they didn't have the terms that, that we use? Yeah. And what if they get to a point where they recognize, oh, this is wrong and this is right, and, and I'm going to choose to do right, and but I know that there's something in me that, that is evil and separates me from that creator, and, and I need a savior, and I don't know, they don't know the name, but they, they it's that redemptive story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, what, I what, think, is that not what, what? What are they missing then? The, yeah. the actual name? Well, that, that's exactly what what I'm getting at with this. Is no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, how he draws you? Who knows? Like that's where the mystery is. Yeah, just like Chili said, it, it could they could have hit the they could have found it like had everything except the name Jesus that they if unless someone told them you know yeah I mean and, I could see it being totally plausible that. You reached an unreached people group, told them the story of Jesus, and they were like, who? And then you told them what, what he did, and they were like, hmm, I've heard that. Oh, yeah, that's a lot like what we're talking about. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're just calling it Jesus, and we're calling it turtle shell. I don't know where they would, you know, how that's imprinted on their heart or whatever, but, yeah. I mean, I think there's something written on every human that is like this need for a Savior. I mean, I, it's it seems like that. I mean, I... I don't know. <laughs> there I go again, but it it's odd, man. And it's, um, I mean, that also gets into more hard questions too of, of if he does kind of intervene in that person that hasn't heard and, and he doesn't intervene in someone else. It's like, oh, how, how does that work? You know, the choosing, like uh, you mentioned predestination earlier, you know, then that obviously the, the, the difficult questions will never end, but those are all interesting thoughts, for well, sure. You know what else it brings up in me is even just as a Christian, uh, in those those feelings of right or wrong, as they come down to more, uh, you know, I guess debatable, like is this right or wrong, yeah. and, and really being in tune and knowing, I say knowing, but understanding what God is showing you and yielding to that, because in the, that's putting myself in the same position that someone that didn't know about Jesus, who the Father is drawing him through their own conscience, and they have to say, man, all this is going on over here, but I really feel like this is right in my heart. And for, for them to have to yield to that is similar to us having to yield to these smaller, more minuscule things in our life that come up, maybe like this whole Santa Claus thing or the white lie and, and yielding to that inside of you and saying, well, you know, I know lying's wrong, but in this case, is it okay? And, and yielding to that inside of you, that's really telling you, Hey, you know that that's wrong at the roots of it. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. And are you going to yield to that or not? I think that that's a lot how someone else would feel who is being drawn to God yeah. through him without someone else telling them about Jesus, you know? Well, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to, you know, preach some false gospel here when I ask this question or, 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 or cause somebody to stumble or, or whatever. Don't worry. You got Krista there besides <laughs> you. She'll stop you. Yeah. Cause I always worry about that. But 
these people who you're like, okay, well, they haven't heard the story. They don't know the name, but they know all these, like, I mean, we've already said it really all these points of, oh, they, they know right from wrong and they want to choose to do right. And they, they, they choose or, or they recognize, okay, I can't do this on my own. I'm, I have evil within me that separates me from God and I need a savior and, and I'm going to choose to die to myself. I mean, what are they missing really at that? The heart of the gospel story at that point, the, the actual name, well, they, they weren't there. They don't, they haven't heard it. I mean, so what, what are they missing then mm-hmm. at that point? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a question. Yeah, and it, and that goes back to not knowing if it if it's just the name. When the Bible says no one comes to the Father except through me, then they're coming to God through Jesus. They just don't know His name is Jesus. So yeah. that I think that's where the line, you know, where you talk. That's where this discussion happens. Not is there another way to heaven aside from Jesus? That that question I think we can all agree is clearly stated multiple times in the Bible, but. Whether or not they know the name, I think, is kind of the, the difference there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I mean. Yeah, it's a tough question. I, I really like the way Chili just put it, though, and and of, of talking about those, if you would call them native or primitive cultures throughout human history, um, that, that, that human nature itself, uh, in other words, the, the imprint of God on us, right, will actually, if you, if you yield to that, will lead you, no matter what, to the realization that there is something inherently wicked within you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good, Chili. That's really good, man. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break. 